The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We have a kind of a weird show today. It's about Gnosticism. We have Miguel Connor on. He is the podcast host of Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio. It's a pretty interesting uh, show if you're interested in that kind of stuff. But they they don't just talk about Gnosticism. They have a bunch of other stuff. But uh, I've been listening to it for a while, and it's, uh, it's always interesting. They got some weird shit they talk about. The uh, guest that we had on today is a plethora of multiple routes in this area. Um, Honestly, it was probably one of the fastest hours that we, well, almost an hour that we went through just because it, it flowed super well. It's a really good conversation, um, really well explained for what we went through. Um, and we're hoping to have him back on to actually kind of dive a little bit deeper into the finer points of it. Um, but I really hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get a little bit more into this, I'm going to let you guys know how to contact us or rate us. Um, if you want, you can email us at legitbatpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at legitbatpodcasts. Or if you have Facebook, you can get us on legitbatpod. Um, don't forget, we also have links on any of those to reach previous episodes with descriptions. Um, you can also find us on things like Apple, um, Anchor, uh, Spotify. Is, this on, is it on Spotify now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on basically any pod, major pod uh, platform that you can find. So Apparently, it's on Google, too, and I didn't even know that until I didn't know either. one of my coworkers was like, oh, yeah, I listen to you on Google Play. I'm like, uh, what? Oh, we should find out that I link then. Where. Yeah, so you guys can find us anywhere. Just look up. I'm pretty sure that no matter what platform you're looking for, Legit Bad is really one of a kind. So... Give us a look. Uh, you guys can rate us or leave a review or a comment on any of those platforms. And uh, let us know if there's a specific topic that you guys would like us to dive deep on. And uh, this one that we went through was um, interesting mostly because uh, the gentleman that we had on knows a lot about this. Joe has quite a familiar working knowledge of this, and I know nothing per the usual so if you have basic questions, <laughs> those would be the ones that I asked. Joe definitely knows how to ask finer, finer points. Um, and uh, yeah, if there's anything that we left out for whether it be layman's terms or a finer point, let us know. That way we can uh, get going on that uh, another time. Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't as uh, goofy as usual. I mean, we tried to slide, you know, I tried to put j dick jokes in there as often as possible, but <laughs> this wasn't really one of those conversations for that. Uh, oh, I did want to, we don't have any more reviews, so come on, people. Let's do some reviews. Let's do some ratings. Give me your stars, bitch. So uh, I did get our first email, though. I didn't tell you. No that. way. Yeah. Let's hear so, it. So this email, it's the only one. In our inbox, which shows you how many fucking people listen to this show. It is from Liton Biswas. He says, hello. I hope you and your family members are safe from the COVID. Do your podcast advertising and marketing needs? Question mark. What we do? It's a, it's a marketing thing. Mm. It's also signed Tanya June. <laughs> but it was from Liton Biswas. 
So go figure. It seems legit. I'm going to email him back and ask him um, what color his nipples are. <laughs> That's my go-to because you never hear back. I haven't heard back. Tell yet. him, Tell him like, I don't remember his name from the TED Talk. Tell him that you would like to... Uh, for uh, future business engagements, you need we, we need to establish a uh, a code. Yeah, like how to get the gummy bear to the work truck and things like that. Yeah, and then watch them actually try to respond in code. It's the funniest shit I've ever heard. I, I'm actually kind of disappointed. I haven't had a telemarketer call me in a long time. Either that, or I just don't answer when there's a strange number. But sure. either way. I've been hoping a telemarketer calls me with some crazy <laughs> shit because I want to fuck with them so bad. <laughs> I hear all these stories about people fucking with telemarketers, and I'm like, God damn it, nobody ever calls me. Yeah, I'll have to show. I'll have to show you the one that I saw. This guy, I don't remember how long it went on, but he did email correspondence with one of those fucking. Uh, we have a large shipment of gold. <laughs> it's brilliant the way that he went about it because he even said. Because he did one of those one of those uh, tea talks, and um, he said on it, he goes, "I wasn't going to do this, but then I thought, you know, why not fuck with one of these guys the way that everybody wishes they could fuck with, but doesn't really know how to." So he did like dozens of email correspondence with this guy, including but not limited to breaking it down to the most ridiculous code words, and the guy actually responded <laughs> in the code words what he needed to do. It was it was brilliant. I was listening to another show where they, they were fucking with this dude. I did get this scam call a while back about the people uh, talking. What was the the scam? It was oh the IRS. You owe the IRS so much money. Mm-hmm. If you don't pay us right now, we're gonna send a local sheriff out to your house. Oh yeah. It was weird though because it was like a a real robotic voice that called. Like it didn't even sound like a human. It was like AI or something. But this dude fucked with them and was like. He put on a British accent and was like, I have been not paying taxes for years and it's never been a problem. Why is it a problem now? <laughs> and the guy was just like, um, I, hang on, my son's being loud. He's not allowed in here anymore. We're in our high tech studio and he keeps fucking it up. And by high tech studio, I mean his bedroom, but I pay for it. So, <laughs> uh, there was a guy that actually dove into that we should i would love to do an episode of all the different stories about these different scams and bring up all of what people have done with them there so they have there's got to be a subreddit for that oh i guarantee it there's a guy that um they had it on facebook a while ago this guy that hacked into the cameras in one of those large buildings where they do oh. the call centers. Yeah, I heard about that. And so he was watching the gentleman that was calling him while he spoke to him on the phone. Yeah. And the guy that was talking to him on the phone in one of these India call centers was joking with his coworker about how stupid this guy was. And so he started calling him out and talking about what color his shirt was and like all this other stuff and made him completely freak out. He even got a... Uh, a recording on one of the separate offices and one of the manager's offices of one of the managers going, look, the number one thing that we have to remember is we don't give a shit about the people that we're calling. Just get, really? their, just get their credit card numbers, tell them an amount, and if they say they can't pay it, slowly bring the number down until they feel like they can. And one of those was an IRS thing, was scaring you into thinking local law enforcement's going to come, that you're going to get a, uh, a statement from the IRS saying that they're going to summon you. I get the idea behind it because they're trying to catch them off guard. But, like, seriously, if you owe the IRS money, they're not calling you on the phone no. saying, hey, you got to call us back. No, they, they send someone out. They do. It's called and an it's, auditor. Yes, they've actually <laughs> done that. Yeah, that's when, they, when you owe them enough money that it's worth their time, they are just going to go pay you a visit. <laughs> Luckily, I don't make near enough money to ever have to worry about the IRS. Knock on wood. Luckily, I am just a lazy stay-at-home dad of two, so I don't have any income coming. <laughs> I don't, I'm not I'm not too worried about the government anyway, but I don't know why we rabbit-trailed on prank calls. Yeah, fuck it. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, what were we even talking Oh, yeah, the episode, Gnosticism. Yeah, it's great. Check it out. I'm sure you'll love it. Or don't. Uh, yeah, like always. Or don't. You have options. And enjoy the chat. Or don't.
and we will see you next time. I don't know what we're doing because I don't plan shit. I believe the next one that I would like to delve into is going to be early video games. Oh, um, yeah, I saw that. And I was mo- like, oh, that's news to me. I didn't know about no, that. No, I just put it out there, yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to see if there this would be... A, this is a team effort, obviously. There would be any... Well, <laughs> I trust what you post. I assume I get the same. Um, I, I wanted to see if there would be any kind of feedback on the post on it. Uh, anybody excited about it or anything like that? Um, mostly because I kind of want to delve into specifically why I posted the trippy digital art of Mario is the psychedelics behind a lot of the video games. Oh yeah, we could go on that for days. That's what I want to get it's into. It's pretty in your face. It's I mean, very it eats mushrooms like, and gets bigger. What do you want? <laughs> anyway, enjoy the show, and we will see you next time. See you later, later. Benjamin. We're here tonight with Miguel Connor of Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio, and we just wanted to have a talk about uh, kind of an intro to Gnosticism. I don't know how many people know too much about any of all that stuff, but uh, what do you think a good starting point for someone to get who's interested in this to a book to read? I mean, would you start right off with the Nagamati Library? Because that's what I did. Man, that's it's so many entry points, and sometimes. I'm a firm believer that sometimes you don't choose books, they choose you, and sometimes it's a movie. With me, honestly, it was almost a combination of uh, reading the Nag Hammadi Library, watching, of all movies, by accident, Donnie Darko, which is very Gnostic, and then reading Valis by Philip K. Dick and some of his other fiction. Obviously having movies like The Matrix and The Truman Show in the back of my head, uh, really helped. I mean, when I watched those movies in the late 90s, I was a uh, practicing Catholic. So the whole Gnostic thing was, uh, you know, I just thought that these were cool <clears throat> movies. Um, so I would say it's a combination in what your audience is interested in. Another one, I think, is uh, if uh, your audience likes comic books, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles is one of my favorite Gnostic Gospels, too. If your audience is interested in Jung, I would say try out some of his uh, some of his introductory writings or what's written about his psychotherapy. So it really depends how your audience wants to um, what entry point they want. For example, a lot of people how they get into Gnosticism is with Elaine Pagel's Gnostic Gospels. It's a pretty good work, but it's pretty vanilla. Doesn't even talk about the Archons, but it definitely. Uh, uh, really explains the Gnostics as uh, an alternative movement or Christianity. The other one is the Gospel of Thomas in uh, the Nag Hammadi Library, although there are it was discovered separately in Egypt. But the Gospel of Thomas, you might say, is the closest to the canonical Gospels. A lot of the sayings are parallel, or you can find in the four Gospels, and it uh, it doesn't have this sort of. Uh, shape-shifting, psychedelic, weird Jesus that you find in the Nag Hammadi library. Excuse me, he's more approachable, if you would. And a lot of people who still have a Christian background or are just getting out of their Christian background, or they're open-minded Christians, they might want to start with the Gospel of Thomas. And here's another interesting fact, and I should mention this more often, uh, something most people don't know about it. Of all people who like the Gospel of Thomas... You'll never guess. Elvis Presley. He was oh, a fan wow. of the Gospel of Thomas. So uh, I believe that's the first book I read out of the Nagamati besides the Secret Book of John, because that was kind of an interesting creation story. How would you uh, classify Gnosticism, though? Would you say it's a religion or more of like a philosophy? Yeah, I think, uh, as April DeConnick said, it's a metaphysical orientation. It's... Uh, 
that is the reason why people get confused or see Gnosticism as a parasite religion, because uh, you find it, uh, the spectrum of Gnosticism in Christianity, Judaism, Islam, uh, paganism with the, with, with the hermetics, uh, you find it everywhere. So it's more of a metaphysical orientation. It's uh, the part of a religion that rejects reality or sees reality as a simulation. Uh, the part of a religion that might see that uh, the universe is not ruled by a benevolent God, but that somehow other entities or figures have taken over. <clears throat> the part of a religion that believes in a direct experience with the divine, uh, shamanistic, ecstatic encounter, instead of believing in faiths and dogma and, uh, you know, tense or, you know, uh, constructed rituals and so forth. So that's why Gnosticism uh, appears in religions, and it's a metaphysical orientation, if you would. So that that did actually bring up a question for me. I'm I'm not really familiar with Gnosticism at all. Um, if you were to have somebody come up and be completely ignorant of it and say, "Well, what do you believe then?" How how would you summarize that to somebody that is completely ignorant, just asking you what it is that you believe? I would tell them I believe we are in hell and we need to wake up. <laughs> and then they usually <laughs> leave me alone. No, that's uh, one way to do it. Well, I would say... Uh, like getting rid watch... of a Jehovah's Witness at your door. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that might get them excited and they'll push back harder. Or like, well, if you The difference hell... is uh, Miguel isn't a fucking door knocker. He's not going up and hey, have you heard about these fucking archons? <laughs> Check out this lighthouse pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's not really an ev evangelical movement. There have been sex, but uh, I would say that uh, the four, um, I don't know what you want to call, cornerstones of Gnosticism. Tenets. Yeah, and even then, there's a, still a lot of debate. You can break them down to ten. But I was, uh, was going to say, that's a, that's a little bit more of a of a preachy kind of way to say yeah, that, I, was, I guess. I was say. just going to say that sounds really dogmatic. Yeah. I'm saying it that way, but cornerstones sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, if I said uh, list then I sound all Buzzfeed, but maybe that's what people <laughs> are into. Number one. Clickbait motherfucker. You know, you know yeah. what though? I think that's actually a really good point is fuck your delivery. I think you should be able to say it however you want, but in today's world, that kind of Buzzfeed, um, Point making, I think, is what a lot of people look at. They want to see these um, doctrines and tenets that, you know, quote unquote, make the cornerstones of a religion and then they judge it off of that manner. And I think that in the today's world, I think that that's what a lot of people look at, which is shitty. But <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, you are right. Maybe that's the reason the Gospel of Thomas is so popular because it's a uh, 114 sayings of Jesus. And, uh, he tells it to 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 Thomas, what he calls Didymos Thomas, which means twin. Uh, most people don't know, but Thomas in Aramaic is also means twin. So you wonder: Is Jesus telling Thomas his twin brother, or is it his uh, twin soul, his lower self, and Jesus' higher self? But it's just Jesus saying uh, these sayings. There's no narrative. There's no story. It's just uh, Jesus giving these 114 sayings. So maybe that's why it's popular today, and yeah. it was, certainly was popular in ancient times. Is it believed that uh, the Book of Thomas was written by the doubting Thomas, the bastardized uh, doubting Thomas? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it probably is. Uh, and I think that was the tradition. There are other works that are attributed to Thomas, like the Acts of Thomas, the Book of Thomas. But yeah, and the interesting thing is, as we know by history, Thomas was seen as a uh, an apostle, a community leader, and so forth. But what the church did, and you can see this in the Bible, is whenever there was... Uh, a figure that was the head, uh, a Gnostic leader or exemplar like Mary Magdalene, Simon Magus, Thomas, and a few others, they sort of get vilified or made look like fools in the canonical Bible. Like Thomas yes. is basically, and that's what Elaine Pagels also said, Thomas gets relegated to the doubting guy. He's always forever known as the doubting guy, but outside of the Bible <laughs> and his other gospels, he's a, uh, he has it. He's got that gnosis, that um, that mystical direct experience with the divine. Mary Magdalene too. She there are 
gospels written under her name in the Gnostic gospels. She is one of the the main uh, apostles or followers of Jesus. And Simon Magus was seen as well. Let me back up. And obviously, in the in the Bible, uh, Mary Magdalene is a woman with the seven demons that needs to be exercised and so forth. Simon Magus is seen as this sort of uh, apart opportunistic uh, magician and so forth. So that's one of the characters. And two, we must have to say, the Apostle Paul. He, as the church father Tertullian said, he, Paul is the apostle of the heretics. In other words, Paul started out really being embraced by the Gnostics and other alternative Christians. Because if you take away the epistle, the false epistles, you take away your church glasses and everything you knew by Paul, you see a completely different message. message. You see somebody whose uh, central tenet is that the, the world is ruled by these archons, the arch-villains of the Gnostics, and Jesus is sort of an aeon or an alien being that can come and break the yoke of the archons on earth and liberate humanity and the rest of it. But another thing they did is Paul became so popular with uh, so many groups by the second century, the church said, well, we can't just make fun of them, so we're just going to appropriate them, add some new epistles, and we'll just uh, change the marketing, the PR, to make him look like he's really orthodox. It did kind of seem to me that over, and Joe and I were both raised very staunch Baptist, so our, our idea of the Conical Bible, as you said, is that is where our forte lies on this particular subject. Joe, much more, has been able to deviate in being open-minded to a lot of other things. I'm open-minded to hear everything. It's just that I'm not always knowledgeable about it. Uh, I would say, though, on what you said about Simon and Thomas, it does, and Mary Magdalene, it does always seem like the Bible has kind of a cliff note or a disclaimer. Uh, before saying anything good about them at all, there's always this disclaimer that they are, um, like you said, an underling or uh, a lesser self which I always found kind of interesting because they, they play p p pivotal roles in the stories. But then there's always this thing that's like, yeah, but there's also this about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, uh, very craftily done. And uh, that was a whole point. Those ancient people, the Gospels, most people didn't read. So you'd have the bishop read the Gospels and what would stick in their head was, yes, Doubting Thomas, Mary Magdalene, the hysterical woman. And so forth, but uh, there are hints of Gnosticism in the New Testament all over the place. The, the first uh, group to ever write exposition or summaries on the Gospel of John were the Gnostics, because if you remember, Jesus is very different than the other three Gospels. He's a very, he's a very supernatural, transcendental being who's going, I, my, my kingdom is not on this earth, the world will hate you. If you follow me, I am, and he seems to be sort of a, this god in the middle of a, of a story which he's in complete control. If you read the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus is in complete control from the beginning to the end. When there are crowds, he just like turns into a ghost and disappears. It's uh, so he is definitely more of a Gnostic Jesus. And and if you recall in the Gospel of Mark, when uh, Satan takes Jesus up to the desert and gives him his tests. Satan himself says, uh, all the kingdoms of this earth belong to me. He's basically saying, I'm in control of this universe or this planet. Then when you read Paul, he specifically talks about the God of this world, the archons. The most Bibles translated to princes or rulers, but the word is archons. And in ancient context, it would be the supernatural beings. He talks about the God of this world and how his age will end and there will be a new age, the powers and principalities and so forth. So you have a strong Gnostic theology about this world that we're trapped in and asleep and need to wake up to. And Jesus is the one who will awaken up. But again, the church is very was very good at appropriating it, twisting it around, just as they were with other religions. Uh, Judaism, there's definitely a lot of paganism in the Bible. There's a lot. I mean, they created a very uh, 
a syncretic movement or religion that could please all the different groups in ancient times and would work with one religion they could use it for their own means and the truth is too i mean we have to be honest no religion is a, arrives in a vacuum every religion borrows and takes and you know mimics other religions what works and that's been going on for thousands of years um what is your uh how am i going to phrase this um is it typical or at all applicable for gnosticism to use and take parts out of the apocrypha well, I mean, these days the Gnostics are the Apocrypha. I mean, they were the, besides the Gospel of John, the letters of Paul, most of the texts that are considered Gnostic Gospels are rejected by the Church. Sure. And um, obviously the, the Catholic Church and other Church would say, well, there's still important historical documents. And you guys right. were raised Baptist. That's an interesting thing, which is a, a sad change. In the days of Elvis Presley, Elvis Presley was a very devout Christian, and he was a Baptist. He would That's the first thing he would say, go to church and all that. But the um, evangelicals and Protestants were much more open-minded in the 50s. It was, it was okay to read apocryphal gospels. It was okay to try meditation and other things. So uh, it was a different time, and it's unfortunate that today there's such a stigma of, oh, my God, don't read these other gospels. That'll corrupt you or something like that. But, yeah. The, unfortunately, the Baptists became much more, uh, I don't know, conservative or intolerant or whatever you call it uh, during the 70s and 80s. Well, we've had plenty of conversations, me and Ben, about uh, how weird it is that all the books in the Bible were chosen to be put in the Bible and others were rejected. I know the some of the most recent ones, wasn't the uh, Nag Hammadi discovered, what, in the 40s or... 45, yeah. 45, yeah. So I understand why that wouldn't be in the King James Bible, but nobody even wants to take a look at it. And, I mean, there's so, there's so many other texts that are referencing the same person, and they don't even want to look at it because it's heresy. Oh, you can't <laughs> trust anything except what the King James Bible said that's been translated 150 times or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mess, but it makes no sense because... The church fathers were quoting the Nag Hammadi library. I mean, these texts were being read by bishops and people and Christian followers in the first and second century. So they, they, they were around. And the idea of the Bible, how it came around, I mean, the four Gospels are mainly there because there was a bishop called Irenaeus late in the uh, second century. I mean, those Gospels were already becoming popular. But they were anonymous, and Irenaeus basically said, "Look, and I don't whatever his I don't see much logic, but maybe he was being poetic. But he said, "There's four corners of the earth. There's four winds. So we're going to choose four gospels. Okay, whatever, yeah. whatever, dude. But so he chose these four gospels, and they were anonymous at the time. I mean, if you know the four gospels, don't say who the author is. Nobody says, "I am Matthew," or "Hey, my name is Mark, and I'm writing this cool thing about Jesus." <laughs> And he decided to to attach these names for whatever reasons he had. So he was really the pioneer saying, we're going to have four Gospels and that's it. And there were many changes throughout uh, throughout history. I mean, I think once the Gospel of Peter was considered canon, I don't know if it's Gnostic, it's sort of this weird, but that's the reason they said it was too Gnostic, we got to get rid of it. So the Bible changed. And Somebody like me who grew up Catholic, it was never a big deal because the Bible is, we're not sola, we were not, or the Catholic Church is not sola scriptura. The, the Bible is just one, again, using the word cornerstone to it. But with Protestants, the Bible becomes this, uh, the center of the universe. And that's a bad move, if you ask me. <laughs> well, we've, we've talked about that for years, Joe and I, and me and my wife have talked about it. And there's been a lot of people that we grew up with in that circle that have talked about it. And all of us have basically universally agreed that when you take something that was written, regardless of whether you want to talk it under divine inspiration or whatever, when you take a book that was written and then translated that many times and place it as your world, you are undoubtedly leaving yourself open for mass problems, problems well, in your own personal belief, problems in 
how that's going to dictate how you act and how you speak to other people and what they believe. It, to me, that seems like a bad move, no matter what religion you have. But that was how we were raised, was if you, you pray to God and then you look for answers in his word. And so that kind of dogmatic practice when, you know, as young kids, you go to read the Bible and you're like, I don't think he's speaking to me. <laughs> and then, Well, we just talked about it not that long ago about uh, I think that uh, living your life based on something like the Bible or anything else like that is kind of a lazy way to think. You're you're wrapping up life into a neat little box with, you know, Christmas paper on it and saying this is it's all the answers. It's all right here. And it's cl clearly not. I mean. There's so many other things out there to consider, and once I started breaking out of that when I was a teenager, I was like, there's a lot of shit in the Bible that just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. And my parents would always just be like, oh, no, you have to go back to this verse, and that explains that. I'm like, oh, you, you can't cross-reference the Bible with the Bible. Like, take some other outside sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they yeah, use and, uh... all of the different out-of-context verses and applications to build their own context for whatever their argument is but then claim that that's never what you should do. Yeah, and I'm like, basically projecting okay. or using it as a ventriloquist doll for their own yes. unconscious or desires. And it's, it's like, come on. So God, God created this universe. He created reason. He created art. And the, the climax of his creation is a book. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's there's much more out there, and uh, yes, I mean, I think the Bible probably is divinely inspired. These men who wrote it had visions, uh, they they encountered uh, stories, they might have encountered Jesus, and they were men of deep faith. They weren't trying to create a scam, they really believed it. And some of the stuff is beautiful and very inspirational. Bible, but like you guys say, it can't it cannot be the Alpha and the Omega. I mean, uh, it just can't. Well, I started looking at the Bible as more of metaphor, and once you look at every single story as a metaphor instead of literal, it makes a lot more fucking sense. Uh, some of the literal, like, my parents are very literalist. They think everything that is in the Bible actually happened as it's stated, which is poppycock. That makes no sense to me. But if you look at some of the same stories as an allegory, it does make a lot more sense, but that's heresy. So. Well, and it, and it also widens your application to personal use, which I think is honestly, if we're going, if we're going to take everything as a generalization for bits and pieces of what make up this world that we have no fucking true idea how it all works together, we're just little tiny, like, you know, <laughs> we're one little itty bitty cog or dust in the cog. And uh, when you take all that, yeah, it widens the application because none of us are the same. None of us are going to live the same. There's no reason why a metaphor like that couldn't be applied to multiple different things, assuming that it's a metaphor. If it's just a story with a um, moral to it, then there's absolutely no reason why it can't be distributed amongst many different situations. Uh, that, yeah, well said. I mean... Uh... As uh, scholars have said, what's amazing about the Bible is that it is an ancient text of people thousands of years ago. And it's basically the history of consciousness. It is uh, people trying to understand their place in the universe, going from the individual to the collective mind, to the individual. As Joseph Campbell, it sort of uh, culminates with Jesus, the ultimate individual and how this individual relates to the universe and the divine and all that. So, and um, whenever dealing with metaphors or symbols of Joseph Campbell or Jung would say it's uh, it's interactive and it is personal. These symbols means can mean something to you, how they relate to your unconscious, to your past, to your cultural background. It cannot be one size fits all. And uh, I think that's a better way to, uh, instead of reading the Bible, experience the Bible and the stories and what speaks to you, what messages are there and how you change in relation to these stories. I'm glad you brought up uh, Joseph Campbell because that fits right in with a lot of Gnosticism, the hero's journey and all that. Uh, shout out to my friend Eric. He was on the show a couple weeks ago and he actually turned me on to the Joseph Campbell stuff. And it is, it's pretty heavy. Uh, I can't, I think it was the power of myth. Maybe I, I listened to that audiobook and it is it's pretty deep, but the hero's journey is just as deep, but it, it applies to so many things. And if you look at movies, almost every movie, every fiction story is all based on that hero's journey in some way. And it's almost predictable how how the ending will be if you know that whole, you know, line of thought.
Well, and I think that we've been kind of indoctrinated with that line of thought. It's always the, uh, whether it be uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ as the Savior or anything else, that kind of hero's journey is always something that everybody kind of aspires to be. They're, they're always trying to fit that mold in their personal life. Oh, yeah, I would agree. And uh, obviously Campbell was uh, an adept of Carl Jung. So he understood that uh, inside of us is there this place he called the unconscious or a repository, not of our own personal symbols, but also uh, from the collective as human symbols and images and uh, that representing these archetypal energies that was universal to all human beings. And all these stories were very, very similar. And all these stories basically talked about, yeah, well, the hero's journey, which, uh, as some have said, is just the soul's high adventure. Uh, what is it in Gnosticism and probably some Eastern uh, views and certainly views perhaps even in uh, with the Mormons that we were uh, the pre-existence of the soul. We were once part of a great divinity and for some reason we broke away from the divinity and we fell down into into the earth. We are Luke Skywalker. We fell down into this adventure in the material world and sometimes we forget. We forget our divine nature we forget what our home was and we have to go on these trials to remember who we are and uh, eventually help others, help others from our tribe remember who they are so that we can all go back home to the original source. And that, do you think that would uh, be the purpose of creation is to give us an, an experience in the 3D, you know, material realm or what? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one way to see it. Uh, I liked a friend, he had a great theory that uh, he thought, Maybe we were some sort, we are part of some sort of divine intelligence or supreme mind. And Earth is a simulation where we come to basically play with ideas or play with emotions or scenarios. And maybe the we we created this AI so efficiently that some of us are now here trapped thinking we are an NPC or that we are trapped in one level of the game. And we have to remember that we can go right back to the digital, to the to the to the mainframe or the source, and uh, these things that are trapping us here, or villains or demons or whatever, are simply AI who are programmed to keep us in the simulation because that's how we program them to be. Or maybe we made ourselves forget for a while until the end of time, and we can go back to the source. Obviously, that would be a Gnostic idea, but I think in many of the Gnostic things, it's like, no, there's a, it's more like there's a glitch in the matrix or the computer decided it wanted to take control of a part of us that is valuable or that it can feed off of us. So it created the simulation and now keeps us trapped here. Uh, again, we can look at Neo and the matrix, how it's, it's our minds that are batteries to keep the matrix. In the Gnostic Gospels, you mentioned the secret book of John, it's that... Uh, divine spark that uh, part of Sophia's uh, energy or power who was the basically the mother of uh, the universe they stole it from her and they keep it down here and we are this divine spark that has been fooled into thinking we're monkeys and fooled into worshiping the wrong gods and believing in the wrong things and being attached to this material world but our true nature is to break open and escape from these uh, beings that have taken over the universe. Well, I think that's interesting, too, because it ties in a lot with, uh, I think it's Hindu thinking, the concept of Maya, the grand illusion, mm -hmm. uh, and samsara, the cycle of rebirth. So it's just a, it's like simulation theory where, yeah, you know, game over and then you respawn and then game over yeah. and respawn. It's more, it's more playful. I mean, that's the word they use in Hinduism. We are Krishna, we are Krishna trying to understand ourselves. We're going through all these iterations and programs so we can understand what the totality of consciousness is experience everything that consciousness can experience but in gnosticism they some of the groups they take a more harsher approach it's like no the universe is not an illusion the universe is not uh false it is faked it is on purpose it's like bad software that somebody created to trap us so the gnostics tend they they tend to take a, they tend to take a more hardcore uh dualistic uh game video game attitude towards uh, reality and where we are so but 
again, it's up to the individual. Some Gnostics definitely agreed with uh, Hindus that we were just consciousness trying to understand itself. When you have the supreme source, if it's if it breaks open to understand each other and all these features appear, there's going to be conflict because one aspect that it might understand truth and one aspect it might understand understanding and it has to uh, create these negative aspects. There's going to be conflict and it's a question, does this divine ma- mind have to go through the motions of understanding what evil is? Or does it forget and somehow evil takes over, its shadow takes over? So these are many speculations that you find, well, not just in Gnosticism, but in many of the other esoteric theologies out there. How do you think that ties into what's going on now? I talked to you earlier about kind of tying Gnosticism into the crazy world we live in right now. But do you think this is like a boss level, you know, like we're uh, at the end of the game? This is the apocalypse, man. (laughs) This is the apocalypse, man. It's like uh, everything is being revealed. As I say, the Archons, uh, they are putting all their cards on the table. They're hitting us with everything they've got. And just for the record, uh, the Archons, you're calling Archons Democrats, right? (laughs) (laughs) I personally think they rule both parties. I I myself have backed away into anarchism because I'm like, I mean, the Gnostics, anarchism means without archons. And the the Gnostics were anarchists. They would not, uh, the church fathers would bitch that they refuse to take oaths and they feel they don't need to take oaths. They they call themselves, we are the generation without a king because they they were done with the system. They had felt that the whole system was one big, uh, giant, vampiric, propaganda machine so the, the original uh, doubting thomases which uh yeah. doubting is not a Bingo. not a bad thing <laughs> yeah very skeptic very skeptic so yeah i think this is a, a year of awakening it's a period of awakening apocalypse simply means revealing and it's a question of uh will people wake up and realize but i think they are i think it's becoming obvious it's there we are in some sort of simulation this is something that even elon musk and other uh and scientists and physicists have mentioned it seems that we live that uh those in power don't have our best interest that they're basically feeding off of us in some way or not they're definitely mining our data They've been mining our labor. They've been mining uh, so much. And it seems uh, we live in a time of uh, where paranoia is no longer a disease. It's a coping skill where reality is very fluid, where um, basically nothing seems to work. Uh, as Everything is, uh, as W.B. Yeats said in his poem, the center cannot hold. Everything is falling apart, revealing uh, a lot of uh, shadowy figures in the background and revealing a lot of uh, how things around us were just uh, terrible constructs, going back to the sort of bad software motif. Yeah, I, I would hope people are waking up because uh, I've never really trusted the government. And there's so many people I know that don't even have the slightest you know, suspicion about the government. They're just, oh, th- no, they know what they're doing. It's fine. Fauci totally knows what he's doing. You know? Well, we've been... <laughs> we've been trained, especially with the younger generation being in that middle ground where I feel like so much more, even being young as we are, the, the kids 10, 20 years after us are in such a different world that to even question your government is to be considered unpatriotic and I, and, uh, out of the norm where if you don't believe everything that's on the news media, 24 hour reel, and you don't believe your congressman, um, and you don't pick out of the, you know, uh, the candidates that they set for us for the, uh, the master puppet. I sit there and I go, okay, like Joe said, doubting is not a bad thing. Trying to wake up and say, this doesn't make any sense, is not in any way a bad thing, but that is how more and more streamlined and, like you said, fluid it's become to just cause us to settle in and say this is the way that it is because this is what they're telling us and everything's going to be okay and i think that the farther that goes the more people just kind of look at everybody and go no well it's been <laughs> it's been vilified to question things uh, yeah you get tagged a conspiracy nut job in a tinfoil hat and we've talked about that before but yeah. uh, it's just a, 
amazing to see the amount of people that don't even want to question anything that's going on or like question the nature of their reality or like that's what makes you human come on man use your brain think about have yeah, a couple I mean, years yeah. and think about some weird shit <laughs> yeah the so ancient philosophers question the nature of reality but uh i think people have to understand that uh the Gnostics associated the God of the Old Testament with the evil Demiurge, the, the head demon or archon ruling this world. And one of the great myths is the Tower of Babel. How does God get people to not come up to heaven? He breaks the tower and he separates them into different languages where they don't understand him. I feel that divide and conquer is one of the greatest tool of the Gnostics. If you're up in, if I'm a, some rich cat up there, of course I want people under me to be fighting each other. Exactly. And I can, you know, mine the resources and get rich. And what people need to understand is like, look, there are no saviors. Nobody's coming to save you. And you just got to stop divide. Uh, it's very simple to divide the world into good and bad guys, but that's a trap. There are no villains. There are no saviors. It's really up to you and the people next to you to make things better. And uh, I, I I don't think people are listening, but that's really the only solution. I mean, they've disappointed us. They've betrayed us. They've uh, destroyed what was uh, so many beautiful things. They've, they've weaponized ideals against us. Uh, it just need, the illusion needs to come. The bad software needs to end and reboot. That's what I, kind of what I was getting at with the uh, religion being a nice little packaged box of the way to live your life. It, it's lazy because you're not really, you're, you're hoping something else is coming to save you. You're going to be raptured, you know, and you're going to be taken out of all the evil instead of just like, hey, maybe you should try being better or trying to spread, you know, being better to people. I don't, it's a, I don't know how to phrase that, but well, you, get, you get the idea. We live in a day and age where anything and everything that's wrong with you can be labeled as something that's not your fault. People no longer strive to be better human beings. They no longer strive to be at their full potential. They are constantly being told that you're perfect the way that you are. And if you're not, well, then there's a label that is okay to be. If somebody is struggling with something, instead of it being a product uh, of their own lack of accountability, it's the idea that well, it's okay. You have this problem because of your childhood. You have this problem because of this, that, and the other. And everybody just starts blaming and crutching everything that is ever wrong in their lives. And so then they just kind of go through with their thumb up their ass thinking, oh, I'm fine the way that I am. I read an article years ago. It was talking about uh, participation trophies. And it tied it in perfectly with the saying that went around in the mid-2000s that all of these young girls were posting about uh, Marilyn Monroe saying, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And this article tied it in participation trophies about going, um, if I can't handle you at your worst, then maybe you shouldn't be such a piece of shit. Be better. Don't don't just sit there and say, well, I'm shitty, but that's just how I am. And I want people to love me for me. And, and then, if you can't handle that, then you should go away. No. And then you. they then they wonder why the fuck they're single. I can't find a good man. Oh, maybe it's because you uh, broadcasted how much of a bitch you were. That's not exactly attractive. So, Well, that's the thing is that these people aren't just being single. These people are breeding. They're breeding. They need to stop doing that. <laughs> oh, come on. You're starting to sound like Bill Gates. <laughs> I just hate stupid people. Well, Miguel, I know, I know we got to wrap it up. You got to get out of here. But uh, we really appreciate your time and coming on. I want to pick your brain some more sometime, maybe when I can figure out the audio a little bit better. But uh, you, uh, yeah, sure. you, you got a bedtime? Different, uh, yeah, we can uh, break down different aspects of Gnosticism or get more into it. It's uh, no worries. Yeah, I wanted to just kind of do a uh, kind of an overview, and I think we did a decent job in between our stupid comments, but. Well, I mean, it's like anything. I mean, if you never heard of Buddhism and you had uh, the Dalai Lama come on for an hour, you're not going to get Buddhism. Or if you talk to some guy in New Zealand or an Aborigine about Christianity, he's not going to get it in one hour. He'd be like, what? <laughs> this God had to commit suicide to save humanity and talking snakes? And you know what I mean? It. Uh, Why is this dude uh, sitting cross-legged? What the fuck is this? Yeah, dude? yeah. What's, <laughs> what a weird religion. I don't get it. But then when you start breaking it down, you realize, oh, this makes sense. Well, and I think that a lot of people are familiar enough with the stories and the allegories that they can at least 
pick up a little bit from where we started off and I think they would be a really good, really good solid episode if we could do this again and maybe maybe get into the, some of the finer details and things like that with you. I'd I'd really enjoy that myself. Oh yeah, it'd be fun. I mean, just tell your listeners, it's really very simple. Everything you've been told is a lie. Reality is a lie and everything that you are is a lie. Perfect. So that's and, and there's a freedom in that because you can start from scratch. You can ask yourself the really important questions. Uh who am I? What am I supposed to doing? What's the next step? I mean, I always love this quote attributed to Mark Twain. It says the 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 two greatest days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Uh all of us in these religions say have a a heroic duty, the monomyth. We have, a, as Joseph Campbell, a bliss we have to follow and a duty. And if we can align our souls to it, uh, we're going to be challenged like Jesus and some of the other heroes. But uh, we're going to do amazing things. And I believe each one of us has the divine spark and make a huge difference in this world. But we just got to start with the idea that it's all false and start with the idea that we've been brainwashed, we've been drained of of the best parts of ourself and uh let's get going here let's wake up and let's light up this universe maybe start taking some personal accountability instead of waiting for jesus to come in the clouds bingo yeah jesus is you but so is satan jesus and satan are right inside of you and they want to talk to you <laughs> oh let's talk to satan next time <laughs> <laughs> well do you want to plug your uh social medias or your podcast yeah, I would say just go to my website, thegodabovegod.com, or CAM, as I say in the show, or just type in AM Bytenostic Radio. And the website has all my social media channels, the podcast, my books, uh, everything else, uh, my contact information, everything else is there. And uh, yeah, check out what works for you. If you go to some of the. Uh, there's a section that I have an introduction video to Gnosticism. I have an introduction article to Gnosticism. Uh, I have a recommended reading list. And uh, if people want to really dig a little bit deeper, just go there or, you know, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll, I'll point the way. Awesome, man. Well, you Thanks, have a good Miguel. night. We'll, uh, right. we'll talk to you again. <laughs>